Hello listener, just a quick word of warning about this week's episode. It features strong language, it features sex talk, it features drug talk. So if you want to avoid strong language, sex talk or drug talk, we'll see you next week. Everybody else, buckle up. You're listening to Q presents the making of. 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 I haven't been caning it at all, it's naturally slowing down, I'm 33 in a couple of weeks. I can feel the sort of like, the appetite for destruction is diminished. <laughs> Hello, this is Q Presents The Making Of, the podcast where singers, songwriters and players join us for a trip down memory lane. I'm Ted Kessler and this week I'm joined by two members of Fat White Family, singer Leah Saudi and his brother, the keyboard player Nathan. Sylvia Patterson in the next issue of Q describes the Fat White Family as having a reputation built on chaos, hard drugs and Saudi's mission to upset people, mainly with kinky jokes. But despite this, they've released a couple of horribly good albums since they first emerged from Peckham in 2011, as well as a stack of really great singles. The brothers also released one fantastic album with the Moon Landings in 2017. But now, after a bit of a break because everyone fell out with each other, the Fat Whites are back with a third album called Surf's Up, which is definitely their best yet. And in fact, I go as far as saying it's the best album of the year I've heard. So, all this is, is an interview about everything. Everything. So, everything. Start of your life. Oh, wow. Up until now, the pair how of many, you. How long have we, we got? Well, we've, we've just got about fi- we've got fifty minutes actually. Fifty. Can 50. we get can we get a cup of wow. tea, please? You can. Have you got, have this you, lad can do it. I'll get some tea. How do you like you, it? Can I have two? Can I have <laughs> can I have normal normal tea and chamomile, kind of please? It's not that kind of. We're not what on the. Together? Yeah, but I need. I'm, I feel cold. In the same cup or two separate? No, no, separate, tea. separate. Just take one tea. Separate. Because chamomile is You're only able to bring two teas, and I'd like tea as well. How do you like tea? Just like uh, milk, that's it. Milk, normal. I like uh, <laughs> my normal tea, milk, and one and a half sugars, please. Anything <laughs> else? <laughs> uh, I don't have a cup of tea, No, because he, he does make really good tea. You're listening to Q Presents the Making of. Nathan, hello. How are you both? Yeah, I woke up with a bit of a hangover today because last night. I did my. F- I sang my first ever gig, so it was like I had to drink a little bit to fight the nerves. I was at uh, Hank Dog's night, Hank Dog, which we we played our first gigs with a band at Hank Dog's. Right, he's like this kind of a uh, local legend down down South London. <laughs> he's funny. He always wears a cowboy hat. Right, plays really good guitar. He's good. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's what I did last <laughs> night. Then we went to a friend's house and found a piano and just had two Guinness. Well, he keeps saying it's two. It was two Guinness. There's just no way it was two Guinness. <laughs> no, it's just all if it something. comforts you. To no, it that. was it was three pints. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, it was three minutes ago. Three, it was two Guinness. Yeah, but you no, sometimes you sometimes lie to get a different reaction. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm picking up on here. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I'm, but I got three pints in the pub where I had to do my first gig. 
Brian. I've got a new band, Brian. But uh, and then I went to do. Well, the band's called Brian. Yeah, Brian. So it's like <laughs> with an I or Y. Hey, I don't take the piss. <laughs> I don't know what I'm just asking. <laughs> just asking. <laughs> Brian. Oh, yeah. Stenciled on my back. You know, you know, like the Ramones. Yeah. And where it's like Johnny Ramone, Dee Dee Ramone. Whoever is in this band is called Brian. Right. So I'm, I'm Brian Sadi. He's Brian Sadi. What's your second name? Kessler. So you'd be Brian Kessler. Yeah. Bowerman. Brian Bowerman. That's how That's it works. Yeah. You know? Why not? I hated school yeah. the way you had to go like second names. It's impersonal. Yeah. You should call people by the first name unless yeah. you unless you don't like them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, well. That's what Brian is, but yeah, two Guinness. And Lewis, what have you been up to? I woke up at 7am, which is my normal wake-up time now, because I go to bed at about half nine, and uh, I did the spring cleaning, and then I went for a sauna with with Saul, Adam Chevsky. Okay, <laughs> let's, should we do the formal, <laughs> formal interview process now? Shall we get, this is it, we're knuckling down to the yeah, real serious. The real, the real work. <laughs> okay, let's okay. get down to the hard talk. Well, it's not that hard, so just tell me where you're living at the moment, because in the queue piece it says that you're sharing a bed. Uh, well, sometimes we share a room, but we, we, we drag a mattress in and put it at the other end. But uh-huh. Nathan has just moved down from Sheffield. I moved back down to London about a year ago. And um, I live in Streatham with the, with the guys from Pre-Goblin. I live with the, with the guys from that band, Pre-Goblin. Best band in the world. And um, sometimes we share a room still, yeah, which is depressing after how far we've come in, in, in music to still have to share a room that's with your little the, brother. That's yeah. the glories of the music industry, though, isn't it? <laughs> Forced intimacy. <laughs> I, I guess we've pushed this album back as far as it was humanly possible, financially possible to push it back. You know, yeah. it was like rebuilding the band from, not just from scratch, but from like, you know, the primordial kind of mud uh so it took longer than expected uh so we haven't exactly lined our pockets but it's the most it's the it's the most not serious it's the most uh polished well it would have it would have to be yeah i mean it would i i think um i mean for for the most part the band wasn't like submerged in a heroin abyss and we were actually able to communicate each other with each other because of because of that yeah. and we had experiences working with different projects and doing our own thing on our own and you bring that confidence back into this and so it was a situation where people were doing it because they wanted to do it not because they had to do it or they were screwed and they were back yeah. down the job office you know it was like okay well we've got this great thing like that we've built up we shouldn't just throw it away yeah. and um yeah, there were various kind of. We should polish it. We should. I mean, I, th- I think. I think it, the the idea generally after the the last album was to make a kind of like outsider pop record, and do something really melodic, you know, mm-hmm. um, and incorporate the different music we've been working on, you know, whether it's uh, Insecure Men or I do a thing called Decius, which is like acid house meets kind of Alan Vega, and there was the Moon Landings thing as well, and he's been doing his own thing, Brian. Um, so yeah, everybody's a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more mature, but you know, snapped out of the kind of like narcotic stasis that made tour both bearable and unbearable at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you go about writing songs? Just do you do you have songs that you bring, or do you work them out together? I, 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 I personally, I, I look at terrible pornography, and then I release myself until there's nothing left, and I can't sit by a piano. 
Well, that's that's, that's one way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. Uh, that's well, I mean, I, I tend to go for a long walk. <laughs> you know, um, no, I, yeah, I, that's not <laughs> interesting. What interesting do you think about on the walk? I, I, t- I mean, I tend to think about terrible pornography. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, that's an interesting theory. I think it's important to have some of the libido left before you go to put pen to paper. Well, I don't you, know how it is on comes keep. in slowly, slowly with notes that you're hitting. Interesting. But everyone's different, aren't they? Everyone's different. I think I, I think an essential part of it for me anyway is going to the boredom. You know, right. is is finding you know finding yourself in a position of true, true boredom, inescapable it's, it's boredom. It's similar then. You're going towards zero. I'm going towards zero. Yeah, I guess those two things could be loosely kind of affiliated in some way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, for 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 me, I mean, I, I we 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 both had to step up our game on this record because Saul wasn't around for the initial sort of stages because of everything that went down. Um, but for me, I'll tend to do a, a little bit of writing on guitar and stuff like that, and uh, I do a lot of kind of like just lyric writing. I'll just write pages and pages of couplets random splurges of stuff not poetry by any stretch of the imagination but just sort of interesting kind of don't put yourself down knuckles of language i suppose tea's arrived oh the tea's here tea time he's good so we can wonderful i didn't want to interrupt is there any biscuits no no biscuits no biscuits biscuits, man not we're doing an interview you can't sip your crunching like it's your double tea thank you double tea time people That's what I like to see. That is power, that is, isn't it? Two mugs of tea. (laughs) 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 That's not with me with anyone. That's me with myself. Chinning myself. (laughs) Okay, we're glad you got that. You got that. Anyway, back to the songwriting Let, process. Let's, okay, let's move on away from the songwriting it's process. Because no, you've got the you've got the knuckle of the words there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess I write the lyrics for everything. So I'll, I'll you know, I'll have melodies and things of my own. But uh, I'm not much of a kind of like uh, a ranger, I guess. You know, um, that would kind of be more Saul's like uh, Saul's thing, I suppose. But. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of just, I don't know, it's more than the sum of its parts, I would like to think, this group. But this album, especially because Nathan's kind of really come into the fore as a songwriter as well. And I guess the main difference between this album and the last few albums was that Saul would usually start a record with a whole kind of template and a whole set of references going into the thing. And this time around, me and Nathan had a kind of stockpile of ideas that he had to kind of bring his head around to. And it kind of, he had to find more of the producer in himself than ever before, I think, on this one. But as a result, I think this is probably the first record that's really not just kind of, you know. Everyone went into a different role, kind of, didn't they? Yeah, everybody had to shift around and get out of the comfort zones and, like, do do more of everybody else's normal kind of job, you know. Uh, which I think has made it a far more interesting record, but I, I don't think that would have made it. It wouldn't have been possible before in the climate that was that was there before, right? You know, it just wouldn't have been. You know, there was no communication. The last album was really kind of really difficult to to get down. Right. What's the dynamic in the band like now? The dynamic in the band now, like. I mean, the relationship that me, Nathan, and Saul have with each other now is stronger than ever. I think, you know, when you go through, like, uh, that kind of carnage and you throw, like, hard drug abuse into the mix as well, it compromises your relationships in a fundamental way. But I think having been through it, 
it's kind of like well unless somebody drops dead or something i don't see what what we couldn't really deal with now so that's it's it, it strengthened things but i guess the main change in the dynamic doing this record was that we opened the it was a bit it was a bit more open house we had other people working on it we had um you know ben romans you know from childhood he was yeah. part of the production team alex white who was already an insecure man uh, he's in the band now He's in the band He's now, full to time. Himself in. Um, <laughs> there was uh, Dante and Gam Trainer. They play in a kind of like electro band from South London called Swear. But all these all these characters were all really kind of proficient musicians. Yeah. And they 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 were also the kind of personalities that kind of kept the shit that would maybe go on between us uh, at a level. Absorb some of the kind of megalomania, you know. The sort of like megalomaniacal trinity of me, Nathan, and Saul. I'm not. Um, you speak for yourself, please. So well, it says two, two T's. Two there. T's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, get, I get my ego from simplicity. Okay. In, in it's not piece. two cups of the same tea either. It's one chamomile, one normal tea. Okay. So in our piece, Saul says that you haven't got an ego. He says you're a sweetheart and you don't really have an ego. Mm. But he says that you and he are much more similar. Mm, yeah, yeah. Me, me and him are a bit like you know like you know if you're like uh, buying a bottle of Robinsons you need yeah. to mix it with water don't you yeah you don't mix Robinsons with Ribena and that's you too yeah yeah. <laughs> who's the Robinsons so I got, that would render me water then plain <laughs> water <laughs> <laughs> yeah but with that Wicked. you can make chamomile or Wicked. tea <laughs> Oh, what can I do? Sparkling water, darling. Sparkling water. You're not. Yeah, you need. You're not bubbly enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's why. Well, that's sweet of him to say that. I mean, he doesn't say that to my face. No, just <laughs> as a journalist, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> He's never said that to my face. I don't know if I have an ego. I think I've got other things, but not a huge ego. I think a key part of like, I think I think a key part of doing music in a group where it's genuinely a group and you're actually collaborating and it's not just like one kind of creative mastermind and a bunch of like dogs bodies who fill in the the blanks. I think a key part of it is learning when to sort of put your your, your shit to bed a little bit in the studio and submit yourself to somebody else's kind of like creative authority. You know, recognizing that, knowing when to step out of the picture. You know, and I I think that's a skill that you learn over time you know I remember but initially when we started writing songs together I started going into studios I was just terrified you know what I mean like, I didn't know how I, it was all kind of ended up there by accident you know and I, you know the first thing is like you will you have this quite personal stuff whether it's your songs your lyrics and it'll be all get chopped up and shit like that and moved aside and brushed along and it's really difficult not to take that personally but you have to completely kind of try and remove that yeah. from your consciousness you know otherwise you cannot get stuff done you have to make yourself kind of malleable in a way yeah. sometimes and then you also have to know when to sort of like push yourself I think sometimes maybe I'm come up a little bit short on that and don't know when to put my own kind of authority into into action but um, I think that's a whole part of the process and I think when you do like three four five albums in the studio with a bunch of different people you start to learn to identify other people's strengths and weaknesses and then act accordingly so there's a sort of you know an etiquette that you need to sort of you learn over time you, I think you can write really well but you it's like you do it with your mouth so you kind of do these we could do a jingle with it later as an example where it's like do, 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 do. right and that does translate into music and I think lots of people can't see that still 
Yeah, I write with my mouth. I guess so, that's true. You know, not, <laughs> but, like, you know, but it sounds st- it sounds stupid to like a lot of people that can play. Mm. But I've noticed it where it's like, wow, that's a good that's a good bit of music. And it's like, and it sounds good. And you put it onto an instrument. He does. You see, look at his face. That's the lack of ego. That's the lack of confidence. It's still there. Yeah. But I'm like, wow, that's good stuff. That's a that's a good bit. <laughs> Okay. I <laughs> uh, see. Uh, it won't be. It can't be explained or seen. What's your relationship like, you two? Because obviously your brothers and. Well, what? I mean, this this record was really difficult for me and Nathan specifically. Me and Saul got on absolutely fine this time round. I don't think we had one Barney, which for us two is pretty incredible, really. But um, me and Nathan had some serious, serious. I went to conflict. war with every motherfucker. Well, I mean, <laughs> Nathan had kind of come out of you. You come out of like five years of heroin abuse, hadn't you? Yeah, and straight onto morning, noon, and night skunk. Skunk yeah. for breakfast, skunk for lunch, skunk for fucking supper. Yeah, right. so there was a kind of. I'm they, off it now. I'm off everything because it's bollocks. So there was a kind of episode like just before we started recording, you know, and we'd built a studio and we'd hired every, you know, the, the, the sort of production team we wanted to work with, the engineer, all that kind of stuff. And we're kind of like about to move into this big thing we've been planning for a year. And Nathan had a kind of breakdown right two days before we started and decided that he was 12 hours before. 12 hours before we started and decided that he was under no circumstances going to work with Saul ever again. <laughs> and uh, and he, he was, was kind of like, well, if Saul's not going, I'm going. So at that point, me and Nathan fell out massively and Nathan ended up sort of sitting out the first part of production. Uh, and that kind of was like a big shadow over the whole uh, experience, you know. And there were sort of parano- paranoias that weren't, they weren't rooted in, 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 in you know, they, they, they came from a genuine place. And it was years of kind of the stuff that went on in the band in those five years. I mean, a lot of it was, was pretty horrible, you know. We all took a lot of crap out on each other and there was a lot of like hideous behavior and treatment of each other you know and a lot of scarring and it took a long time to get over that shit and it all kind of came out in one big like hyper emotional flood literally the day before we were due to start this record so it looked like it was all going to be a complete disaster and for once we had everything lined up perfectly you know we got the people we want to work with we got all the songs written and down and then I, i just set the studio up as well everything but that's a, you know so we had a lot of we you know we fought a lot at that yeah. point in time and our family ended up involved it was pretty hideous you know? only only really, only really <laughs> laid plans only the, the, the fight only really stopped whenever our friend Dale Barkley died and we saw each other and we're like holy fuck we're fighting over like, yeah, this yeah. shit this shit is real like, this is petty man like this guy just fucking died and we love him and it's just like yeah, he was a mu- he's like brother, you know, doing all the music stuff. It's like you know, mm. and he was a bit of a renegade. Well, he was a proper renegade. It's a lot. Whenever that he died, it kind of that's whenever the the war ended. Yeah, it did. It was the catalyst for a kind of recovery. It just put things into perspective. Mm. Yeah. Did you did you grow up together? Me and Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. too much. Well, yeah. just no, because no, some brothers don't. I didn't. Grow I mean, up I <laughs> really. Well, it's another story. You should drive. You no. should drive. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we've been. Yeah, I mean, we we've been together pretty much our whole lives, except for my first two years in London. 
Right. So I came down here to study, and Nathan showed up two years later. Says he was going to stay at mine for a week because he'd been chucked out of school, and that was fourteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> egg on your egg on your face, you know. And he's recently he's recently showed back up in my room and yeah. lives at the end of my bed. So uh, not a lot of progress has been made. But no, I guess it's difficult to be uh, closer than I guess we are. Yeah, you moved you know. to band a lot when you. Young, yeah, we grew up. Um, we grew up. We so we spent basically six years in Galway, six years in no, no, Air no, no, no. on the west coast. Six years in Galway. It was like six years in Galway, Maybe, whoa, six whoa, years whoa, in whoa. Air, six years in Northern Ireland. Roughly How long a piece. Was, were you in Galway before I was born? Well, I, it, it was about it, you're splitting hairs. It's about five, five, six <laughs> years apiece. Like what? Are oh, you want me to get like call mum and get an exact date? For <laughs> yeah, what? Let's get on like, the phone. Let's get on the phone. Just pedantic. Um, so yeah, <laughs> like it was it was it was Southern Ireland, Scotland, and then the dreaded, you know, Northern Irish years. We lived in America as well for a year. We did, yeah, we did live in America for a year as well at one point. How come? Yeah. How come so much moving about? Our dad had different jobs. He right. talks to computers. Right. Yeah. He comes from some village in Algeria, and he's ended up with a job talking to computers. He's like an IT guy, or like a right. like a like a tech kind of guy, you know. Right. That's basically he's got a lot of knowledge around that one subject, and doesn't know anything about anything else except <laughs> football. So he moves around a lot. Yeah, we moved around a lot, and I, you know, I, I, Northern Ireland was the last, the, la- the last, the last station really, which I, I hated it from the moment I arrived. Oh shit! I mean, it was just kind of like a really bigoted kind of politically charged atmosphere that I didn't really fully understand you know yeah. like my family uh, my stepdad's family they were Protestant you know so we went to a prod school and we had like red hand of Ulster on our blazers you know and you know they couldn't even get on with each other but at that point in time th- there were no there was no immigration there was no diversity in uh, yeah. in Cookstown Northern Ireland so me and Nathan were we were the ethnic minority you know so it was like shot. because of our last names there was a lot of bullying and a lot of like racist abuse and that funny kind of though thing. funny racist abuse but it's the thing it was like racist abuse but then your best mates would also use the same language hmm. you know it was kind of like difficult to kind of have perspective on it I don't know but um I I loathed that that country. I hated being there. I hated being removed from Scotland when my when my parents split up. My mum moved to Northern Ireland. My dad mm-hmm. stayed in Scotland. So we were separated as a family. Uh, tells you something. She'd run to Northern Ireland to get away, <laughs> doesn't it? But it was it, but it was, <laughs> this militarized zone. <laughs> but it was. I mean, yeah, the army was still there when we when we moved oh, over. You know, they used to have like you know like platoons marching through. Like you'd be playing football, and a bunch of guys would show up with guns, and mm. it was odd, man. When you were like twelve, it was like yeah. I just didn't fucking understand, you know. But you learn pretty quick. But it was good in that it it it, it helped it helped me get my head down anyway. And there was a very clear route out of it at that point in time, you know. If you get your A-levels then you can get a grant and a student loan and you can go anywhere you want and I knew that I wanted to go as far away from Northern Ireland as possible but what's the opposite of Cookstown well London so I'm going to London and I think because I didn't have a social life or go to any parties or drink or any of that kind of stuff I was just like a a massive geek you know I was just like really studious and the minute and smart. I got, and smart. Yeah. The minute I got to London, I set upon diminishing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you got into Slade. I got into Slade School you of Art. Got into Oxford as well. Did it? I got into Oxford he's, as well. He's really smart. But but what um, are you going to do? What did you get in? At the Ruskin, they accepted me at the Ruskin, and they accepted. What were you going to study? Where? Fine art. Fine. Did you find out there? Any, uh, uh, what's that thing you do? Foundation or anything? 
this uh, obligatory foundation. Well, I don't want to blow my own trumpet. Yeah, I'm blowing it. I'm blowing <laughs> it for you, dickhead. All right. Well, thanks for that. Thanks. This <laughs> does make off. me look pretty good, actually. But oh, um, he's smart. He blew it. Now, we're for, uh, now he's got me at the end of his bed. He could have fucking had a room for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you don't go to Oxford to study art. You go to London, you know. Yeah. Um, so no, I went to Slade. You could I went have studied to, I got, art in Oxford. I got into I got into the Slade when I was eighteen. I come I'd come straight from Northern yeah. Ireland. So like that was a that was probably the biggest culture shock in my life, you know. Because you know, although we weren't like destitute or anything like that, we had our own bungalow and like you know, my parents had we had two cars. You know, we had a, a Laguna and a, and a and a Golf. And um, you know, so we weren't second like you know hand, we didn't hand, we weren't so on like you know my girlfriend lived on one of them estates where you got the red white and blue and the flags and the murals but we didn't we had our own bungalow and that we were all right but you know the Slade was kind of another world you know I remember yeah. the first day meeting like people from like Bermuda and like <laughs> shit like this in I Japan and, one of them and like <laughs> I'd never really encountered like middle class metropolitan kind of and this was like the right in the middle of it all of a sudden like right. As you couldn't yeah. get any more kind of so it took some real adjusting and I ended up becoming quite I don't know I ended up becoming utterly disillusioned with the whole thing and really resentful uh, of the kind of I don't know like you would uh, you would need a patron and if you didn't have the same connections and the same background it all just seemed to me like everything was geared geared up for these people to just sort of like take the reins you know and that to get a look in was actually quite an unlikely thing mm. and that if you wanted to go out of the weekend partying and indulging yourself the same way they did you'd best be able to cover yourself on Monday morning or you wouldn't have any oil pain you know it was just like I, I found it kind of critically unfair and snobbish and elitist and I didn't want anything to do with that I thought when I came to the Slade that it would all be kind of like mad like sex and, and, and drugs and experimentation but it was like it was the most like uh, claustrophobic suffocating kind of intellectual environment uh, I'd ever come across and I found it like depressing and stultifying you know and uh, should have went to Oxford. now they want the whole world now they <laughs> should have gone to Oxford yeah you know what I mean <laughs> Jesus Christ. you know but uh, it was it was droll you know and um, yeah that was that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I didn't get so drunk. I got into bands I got into bands because I wanted to do art and get drunk and communicate directly with people that weren't just like you know snobs like yeah. from rich families at the Slade I, don't, I, don't, I wanted to like <laughs> I wanted to like you know normal people and snobs you know like it was just like a, a nice healthy cross section yeah. you know yeah. so it seemed like a natural choice wait you gotta say Q presents the making of 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 what were you doing during this period Nathan what period the period that he's at you know, uh, the slide where, where oh it's in Northern Ireland I was beginning to, to smoke weed all the time <laughs> smoke weed uh, drink hot wine two pound hot wine picked up this habit and Whenever we were uh, joyriding, right? Joy, well, well, <laughs> yeah. You, there's a lot because there's not very much to do over there, and I wasn't like you know the studious type. Really, I like to read, but like I, I wanted to go out and try and like have fun. So I just, you know, whatever. But whenever I was sixteen, whenever we were sixteen, me and him like made a kind of pact was like we're gonna start a band, like I call it Saudis. But in that summer, we found this hawk wine, which was one ninety nine, two pound. And one bottle you can get 
high, man. It is great. It's two pounds seventy nine now. It doesn't have the same kind of aura, same mysticism. It's like two pound nugget, two nugget. Uh, yeah, that's what I was doing whenever I was whenever in this period. You could just say hot wine, hot hot wine, and hot wine and weed, and then not going into school. But my grades were going up. It was it was annoying. My grades were going up. It's annoying. Yeah, it's annoying. My doing your good grades. I was yeah. So I was not in. I wasn't going in, but my grades they, were going um, up, and I was on the hawk and the hash. Didn't they throw you and, out for looking? At pornography on no that's computers. bollocks they fucking <laughs> no, he, was, he, was, he was getting into his songwriting no. early <laughs> no no this isn't true at this time actually I was into I was banging a DJ and we had this thing called uh, ED no no like the, the, the allowance the, if you go and do A levels they give you 30 quid a week Oh, the For if you don't, if your the... parents aren't earning enough they give you money mm. and I was getting 30 quid a week and I saved up for like 20 weeks and got some decks I was like yeah I'm gonna do this boom 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 and I got bang into that and I was like really I, 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 I like it you know I like that kind of stuff but I was on this website called DJ forums and there was just some people posting women with like you know bikinis or whatever and they were spying <laughs> on me I was like why not go on to the other forums where I was understanding like you know tempos and pitch shifts and stuff like that and synthesizers which I'm like you know I didn't know what the fuck they were but I was like yeah this uh, I could do something from this and I got a, I got a job DJing as well but like I didn't take it I should have taken it, but I got kicked out of school, so it resulted in nothing, nothing, zero, zero, plus zero equals zero. But, like, yeah, the, uh, so yeah, they kicked me out. Yeah. <laughs> they kicked me out, but they fucking fucked them. Like, they, they made a mistake. They uh, had this big, they brought in the mayor of Armagh. Right. Right? You know the big gold chain? Mm-hmm. It's like sitting around a big table. There was, like, ten officials, and Mum and Leslie were there. Mum snivelling, crying. I'm like, what is this? It's like, well, you know what, what this is. I'm like, what? And they held a bit of paper, like really stupid, and it unfurled, and it was like ten pages. And this is the longest line of offences we've ever had. It's like, I've not done anything. I've barely been here. They got the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like it to me too. Yeah. Let's talk about the start of the Fat Whites then. Mm. How did that? How did? How did it all? Because it's. How did it all coalesce into a group that made albums? Uh, I think there were two. There's two key components basically. There's me and Nathan doing a kind of like uh, an amateurish, outsiderish hey, kind yeah, of like you know. It's uh, we had a we had an early group called the Saudis, which was all just about energy and chaos and professionalism and how, and sort of uh, you know amusing ourselves. And you know, none of us could play our instruments properly, and there was this kind of bombast, but absolutely no kind of organizational like capabilities musically. Mm. You know, like the, we didn't have an arranger, and we didn't we didn't have a fucking clue what we were doing, but like we we, we had energy and spirit. And eventually that kind of like uh, collided with Saul Adamchevsky, who's sort of like a landfill indie project. The Metros had a, by that time imploded into the... To oh, the I saw a few times the Metros. They were good live. I thought they were good live. I thought yeah. they were good live. Like so I, I remember seeing Saul front and I thought, and I remember him sitting on the edge of the stage and twizzling his mic around. And I remember thinking, wow, he's confident, isn't he? You know? And uh, so, th so that dissolves, and we yeah. were doing this sort of, you know, we were bottom of the bill, they were top of the bill at these, like, all-day things in, in New Cross, you know. So we became friends. But I think it was eventually those two components. As so somebody that's kind of more, a lot more savvy musically, a lot more dexterous, you know, like... Uh, 
somebody who can produce and arrange and compose like with some skill combined with this sort of like raw spirited aggressive outsider kind of impulse to sort of like upset everybody and everything which Saul had I mean I wouldn't say it was dormant in him but it hadn't, it hadn't found it it hadn't found its way into the music quite so much yet you know what I mean it was still playing a bit of a game you know so they just gave it and, and, and we sort of our lives kind of collapsed at the same point you know his band fell to pieces and I finished college and went straight on the door like everybody else from art school who's not like or you know sorted and uh so we we had like from bermuda uh so so we were kind of in the same pit of like despair and like cheap speed and then it was just a question of time uh, <laughs> and the sort of like thing began to sort of like pick up i mean we didn't have any real ambitions for ourselves we didn't think we would make it in music or do it for a living or anything we, re we rejected out of hand the kind of like crawling on our knees up to East London to try and like sort out some sort of a deal or climb up some fucking imaginary ladder like and we, we, we didn't bother with all that we thought anybody that was in on that was a prick um, so still, we they still are and they still are <laughs> they still are and uh, you know you're the, the kind of people the kind of people that have like a press agent lined up before they've even written and recorded yeah. any songs so there was loads of that going on you know we've got this great guy to direct our video like we don't have any fucking song you know it was like this <laughs> loads of guys that were just you know that finished college and that would be like instead of going into a job like doing like you know whatever it is like requisitions or something then like you know they did they'd go into that acquisitions what Acquis requisitions or acquisitions what are you talking about never mind <laughs> that job um, job what what job never the mind job never mind I'm trying to make a point and you're pulling me up on a on a, on a <laughs> you're doing well, my well, head in now well, uh, just have some. You should have had but, some chamomile then. Have you got a bit of chamomile? No, I'll finish it. But um, feel chilled out. <laughs> is it acquisitions or requisitions? What? What the, for? For what? Acquisitions is good. Acquisitions, that's yeah, what I mean. Acquisitions. But, um, but uh, I've lost my train of thought completely Sorry, now. Man. <laughs> completely Sorry. lost my train of thought. You weren't like that. But you were defying the status quo of what you should be doing. Whoa, I mean, that gives it a kind of grandiose sensibility. We were just doing lots of speed and sitting off flat playing music <laughs> that was pretty much it and we were doing it to amuse ourselves and you know we'd do like we'd play Hank Dog uh, Hank Dog's Easy Come Acoustic Dog, Night every yeah. Wednesday Good and uh, we started putting on our own little nights around like it was a Tulsa Hill Tavern we used to put a thing on mm. called Slide In and uh, nobody would ever come to that but it was fine because we were having a good time and it was funny and we generally you know just didn't really care what other people thought because we'd gone kind of beyond the pale as far as we saw it and nobody was even remotely interested and the dirtier it got the more kind of like debauched it got the more pleasure we derived from it the more kind of charged it became mm. and I think um, it took quite a few years you know it took, we were kind of just aimlessly rolling around playing pubs for a few years and people just hated us you know they just hated the band yeah, for but quite we a long like, time. We didn't like them very much either. We they? hated everybody, and they hated us. It was quite strange. But then, the, did the world did come around to you? I mean, it... I think I think the key part with that really is we did Tulsil Tavern. We did one of those shows I was just telling you about, mm. and um, Liam Liam May from Trashmouth was was at one of the gigs. I think his other band were playing Black Daniel or something like that, and they they spoke to us and they were like, "Would you want to make a record?" You know on Trashmouth, which is a tiny, tiny independent label on, based in New Malden, on the outskirts of London. And we were like, yeah, like, amazing, you know? I remember being so, me and Saul were like, wow, like, you know, we're gonna go make a record, you know, I can't believe somebody's even 
even bothered, you know, with, with this. He was even expressed a willingness to even indulge this thing. Mm. And that was really, I guess, the start because we started going down there to record little bits of what became Champagne Holocaust. Took about a year and just building it piece by piece by piece. And I think that was really the, 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 the catalyst for everything else, you know, because once we actually had it down and we had a little bit of a mentor in Liam, um, then we had something to actually go out and 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 win people over with because it wasn't just like chaos and violence there was actually a record floating around online you know yeah we finished it and put it out online on soundcloud just free and then free. and then quit and then we quit then we moved to spain <laughs> to become buskers which didn't pan out that great it's, al- it's illegal to uh play music on the streets in barcelona so <laughs> yeah, we, we, we went to the hills <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, yeah we moved that was our big plan we were going to finish champagne holocaust and move to barcelona to become buskers i thought it would be like you know people on stilts and jugglers and shit and, you know <laughs> really kind of like you know in the in 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 the catalonian like heat but now it's completely illegal to play guitar on the streets there so we did end up just living in tents in the hills wandering around with this little pot making these tomato like stews every night drinking like sangria stole a glove off larry love <laughs> yeah we used to have the, the glove of love we'd the glove it. of it was, love it was, the only, <laughs> the way it was like a fingerless leather studded glove that we'd gotten from 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 larry down at the queens you know and uh, that yeah, the, the, that was a key part that's, of the whole that's development. That's how we picked you know? up the, the nutrients on the hot fire. That's how we fed ourselves in the hills. <laughs> but eventually, had to return to England. We, <laughs> no, we, we went now, to Berlin after that and okay. did silly things on with, with heroin. <laughs> yeah, we went to we went to Berlin. Nathan saw got on heroin, and we were there for about a month or two, a couple of months. Just in Berlin. long enough. Just long, long enough. enough the busking, the busking was good there. There was enough money there to support yeah. a couple of heroin habits. Right. And, great, uh, busk, great, great money. Great busking town. Great busking town. <laughs> and uh, and then it's, uh, and then that. Uh, it was and great then, though. And then at some point or another, I remember Ben Wallers, uh, who was like a, a hero of ours. You know what I mean? That was kind of like one of our real idols. Uh, said he was up for doing a gig with us. He'd heard Champagne Holocaust and was like into it or whatever. And he wanted to do a gig at the Old Blue Last. And we were like, wow, like that's amazing, man. Ben Waller's like, likes our shit. We couldn't believe it, you know? So we were like, right, well, we've got to go back to London and do this gig. And then around that time, it started to click that people were actually sort of listening to this thing that we just thought was just, you know, we, we did it and that was the end. Me and Solid both agreed afterwards, like we're not doing another album together. You know, which we kind of end up saying at the end of every album, but uh, <laughs> the beginning sometimes, and that's the beginning. sometimes it's in the middle as well. But um, yeah, and that was kind of how that all got started. You know, well, actually, the the, the owner of the Queen's Head, Simon Tickner, um, you know, uh, world class hedonist, man of leisure, all all kinds of kinds of leisure. He used to go for a sauna at the Queen's. You know, yeah. this is back when I was a furious cokehead. And like I wouldn't leave the pub for like weeks at a time because I was the chef, the barman, the band. Uh, you were the band. Well, I was part of the, the house band that played there, you know. So I was doing all the different jobs. You were just in the band. Um, oh, but he used to go for a he used to go for a sauna, and he looks miraculously well for his age. Saunas are good for you, aren't they? And he start, I started going down there with him, you know, to sweat out the hangovers. And when we moved to Sheffield. Uh, and I was completely bore, bored out of my mind and didn't have any kind of social life to speak of. I started going to the sauna every morning and going for a swim. And now it's a habit, you know, and the rest of the band have picked it up. And it was a big part of this album, actually, was the sauna. <laughs> we used to go in every morning before we go to the studio, you know, sweat out the hangover. Then we'd go for maybe a little bit of lunch. And then we'd get down to the industrial estate and lay down the, the platinum. <laughs>
you came with songs for our mothers in 2016 in the middle of that Saul was kicked from kicked out of the band Saul was ejected from the band ejected, but I mean he was ejected but I mean that's kind of He's a bit like that, a boomerang that, 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 that makes it sound a little bit like you know we ganged up on him and, 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 and tossed him aside because he was just being really moody on the smack Saul stopped showing up for gigs you know that's quite a big thing. which we kind of incorporated yeah. we, we incorporated that into the group it was like well look if you're not going to do the gigs or you don't want to do them we'll get somebody else in to play guitar and you don't have to do them all you know, our model was always like the fall or something. It was like, yeah. I don't really, you know what I mean? We, we can just keep running, you know, so be it, you know? And and then that worked for a little bit, but then he'd start like, you know, he'd call up the night before the gig and be like, no, I'm, I'm not... I'm not doing tomorrow's show. It's you know? right. It was and right at that stretch. at that point, you're just kind of like, man. Well, you know, we can't. I can't be finding like we used to have to call up like Fat White's fans that were like obsessives <laughs> and be like, do you know, the, do you know the chords, like, do you know the tunes. You know, we get these kids that were just like this one guy Angus who just, he, he came, he showed up at, at the rehearsal and he knew all these like rarities and B sides that I, I couldn't even remember fucking writing. He knew everything, man. I was like, thank God we were like a big enough band that there's actually these weirdos out there who know. All songs better than we do you know <laughs> so it wasn't a complete disaster we always managed to just about coast through yeah but i mean it, it, his habit and everything and the pressure that was on him all of it was just kind of like too much you know and at that point he was using a lot of crack and a lot of smack and Good man, just, it's just like <laughs> it's just like yourself. it's just like the i mean there aren't any personalities that can really handle that you know but him i mean it's just it's just a fucking disaster i know? did <laughs> not, well, yeah, not really. I, I mean, should we go back through to the? Well, we go back to the start of interview and talk about your your breakdown. Yeah, but that's a lot to do with the previous bits, which I held together on the crack and smack. I'm not I really. I wasn't a crack man, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but fucking, like, he'd be stressed, and I'd be like, it's all right, man. It's all right if he goes, he goes. Like, we've just got to keep doing these shows. It, yeah, no. he was pretty solid, but Saul was like completely erratic all over the place, and it just became untenable, you know. And there were a few violent altercations, and then it just... Like, I didn't want him to go, but, like... You know, nobody he, wanted him. Nobody wanted him. But like, if, I mean, he, if he's going to be, like, mad, like... Like Godzilla, but, like, you know, gone mad, and it's just, like, really gone, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, you're kind of like, wow, like, you've got to... What, what, what are we going to do? It's like... Yeah, it was it, it was pretty nightmarish. I think you, usually, like, when people have problems like that in your life, most of the lines of work... You can you can immediately establish the necessary space uh, from 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 that situation and keep a hold of your own shit. Whilst you know you can still be a friend, you know. But when you're all squeezed into a van and forced to be with each other twenty four seven for years on end, mm -hmm. it starts to sort of convolute your sense of yourself, and you start to soak up all that poison, you know. And it gets difficult to see the wood for the trees, you know. So like you all end up maligned. You can't actually kind of, you know, there's not enough, like, since coming off the road, we've been able to deal with these problems much more effectively. Mm. And, like, it, it doesn't completely ruin our, like, friendships and our, like, working relationships. But when you're in that intense, high-pressure environment all the time, and you can't get away from it, you know, the opportunity for, like, just, like, maligning each other psychologically uh, is, is massive, and you can't escape it, you know? So is the plan now that he will not tour with you or just to play the occasional gig or no the plan right now as it stands is that he's going to do all the touring 
and that he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> right. do all the gigs. But I, it's the same. It's the same as it's the same as before. Where if you know, but we've been through it now, and it's like if shit hits the fan, if you know people start getting abusive, if people kind of can't be bothered all of a sudden, and then we just deal with it again, the same the same the same way as before, except we know that we can ride through it. You know, right. before it was terrifying for me because Saul was my writing partner. You know, so sacking him was kind of like sacking myself. It meant we were in breach of contract with the label. You know, it meant that like at the end of this kind of like tunnel there's just like an even more pitiful tunnel you know like there's nothing at the end of this mm. so it was it was really really difficult for me to sort of draw the line and actually sag him at that point you know like it was the last thing in the world i wanted to do i was like well that's the end of this basically mm. you know i'll see i'll you know I'll, I'll string lawrence bell a line about like the band moved to sheffield and do it without him and see if i can squeeze a deal out of him you know but at the time i had no idea whether that would actually pan out or work mm. so it was just like a horrible anxiety Mm. So it was it was shit, man. It was really shit, mm. you know. It was hard. It's really it's really miserable, man. I cannot stand that fucking drug, mm. you know. It's the devil, you know. It's it really just ruins everything. And now, are you hopeful for the future? Um, the near future. I mean, compared to how, I'm, I'm very, oh yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very hopeful. I think everybody's kind of got their shit together in a in a in a more far more fundamental way now, you know. Also than ever in my life. Yeah, everybody's just growing up a little bit. You know, everybody's yeah. grown up a little bit. You're listening to Q Presents The Making Of. Okay, I'm going to ask you some very general questions about music, if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. Well, I love general questions. Do you? General oh, questions. General questions. <laughs> You're a general questions kind of man. Oh, yeah. Okay, what was the first <laughs> record you can remember really loving when you were a kid? I think when we were... Um, Forrest Gump soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Loved it. Break on through the other side. The Forrest Gump soundtrack, man. I've I never remember. heard that. So what... Producers making it's, weird faces. It's like, I mean, if it, it's an introduction, it's. I think that's just. You're not allowed to say Forrest Gump online. No, you are. <laughs> you haven't seen Forrest Gump. That's I it. envy you. <laughs> you like those people that ain't seen Terminator. I never seen Terminator. Are you serious? No. Jesus Christ, you've got a lot to live to, man. Fuck. Live for. I live to. Two, two, two Guinness it was, wasn't it? Um, well, I'm not on drugs. No, he's right to bring out up the, the Forrest Gump soundtrack, actually. I remember that, man. Our big brother was kind of into music. That's kind of where we got it from. Yeah. I mean, our parents aren't really music people. My mum likes a bit of George Michael. My dad listens to... Mike and the Mechanics Mike and the Mechanics yeah Cat Stevens though he got into Cat Stevens Stevens, yeah but the Forrest Gump soundtrack came into the house and I remember that and the Train Spotting soundtrack as well those two soundtracks were kind of like a real when you're like I don't know how old we were like eight or something like that I was I can remember being four or five and listening to Forrest Gump yeah, so that, those two, I mean, it's like, it's Forrest Gump gives you a whole cross-section of, like, 60s, 70s, just, like, classic Are stuff, you, you know? Are going to set yeah, that and break on through? It's like, there's loads of good songs. Stuff. And then the, the train spotting one gives you, like, you know, some to the 90s and the 80s, doesn't it? It's kind of... But those two actually if you're like you know having if you're, 17 if you're you know before adolescence two, two, kicks in those two are a good you know bang a good pair to yeah. sort of have I think actually in retrospect yeah yeah what was the first band that you really signed up for like you thought oh, really, this is a, this is gonna I be mean, my I'm band ash- I'm kind of ashamed to admit it now because I don't like them anymore at all the Blur but that was only because my big brother was really into Blur so I was really just a sheep I'm a pulp man now as far as as far as as far as the, the Britpop era is going I got a soft spot for Oasis it has to be said yeah of course you know Oasis has a, a certain place and time you know I think if you've been up all night 
And it's, you know, if you've been hit... I was the... trying to teach you and, you and Tamman that pulp was always the best. I can remember saying pulp, pulp, it's pulp, it's pulp, it's pulp. He did, actually, when he was really little. You'll see this in the future, you fools. <laughs> 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 what was the first gig you went to? Eagles. A uh, uh, blur. <laughs> <laughs> the My big brother Eagles, me... yeah. <laughs> My big brother took me to blur at the SECC, and I went right down the front, I remember. I was only, like, t- nine or ten or something. I remember, that, I remember it just like the crush immediately and being terrified of getting like, I thought it was horrible. I still think mosh pits are horrible. They yeah. are horrible. Like, it's nice to inspire one, but why anybody would want to take part in a mosh pit? Do you get it? mosh pits, Fat Whites? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, Do we you? get yeah. mosh pits. Yeah, of course. What are you talking about, blood? <laughs> 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 okay. Well, if, if push comes to shove, what's the best song of all time? Country Roads by John Denver. Uh, Straight in there. What's uh, what's push comes to shove? It's between Commodore's Night Shift or Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing. Depends on the mood. Oh, sexual, sexual sexual healing, sexual healing. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Okay, we've got one last thing to do before we have to wrap up. Mm -hmm. And this is. uh, Do you ever read Smash Hits? You're probably too young. I remember Smash Hits. I think they used to have a thing in Smash Hits called the biscuit tin, and inside the biscuit tin there are stupid questions, Mm -hmm. and uh, we've just sort of copied that idea, but we haven't got a biscuit tin, so we've got an envelope. So you just pick. Five or six questions at random from here. Yeah. And just and then answer the them. Yeah, please. Just pick so one at a time. Like, just like kind of like really lazy way of doing the interview. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. You just, you just take your questions out of the bag and I just sit here and watch you answer. <laughs> it's a chicken way of asking you silly questions, I suppose, oh, as well. Okay, okay. Well, let's see what. Or a bit of both. Okay, okay. So do I t- you want me to take six? Well, just take one at a time. That's one at a time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love so games, man. Yeah, I love okay. games. Okay, if you are reincarnated, what would you like to come back as? Ah. Um, I suppose. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe like a. Maybe a bottle of. Uh, maybe a bottle of Tabasco. <laughs> Nathan, that question. That you'd like to come back with that question? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's that one, Doc. Okay. okay. Um, Just put on loop, Nathan's meta loop. Nathan's answer was a much better answer than mine. Uh, what is the most exotic thing you can cook? I can actually only cook one thing. Go for it, Lise, and big yourself up which, here. Which, and actually, I'm thinking about doing a food blog about this, <laughs> um, is spaghetti bolognese. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing I can cook, so that's the most exotic and the least exotic thing I can cook. Most exotic... Oh. <laughs> I'd probably I'd probably say like uh, Coquivon You can cook more exotic He's a really good cook Is he? You wouldn't well, think it Yeah I love cooking <laughs> You really wouldn't think it I'm, I'd, ra- I'd rather like be a house husband And cook for someone I love Than be in a band But uh, oh. The most exotic thing you can cook uh, I'd probably say uh, Exotic like, <laughs> I'd probably just say Coquivon Because it sounds exotic Yeah, yeah. Even though it's just chicken and red wine Coquivon Coquivon Okay. Um, how was your first kiss? Well, that's I have to say that the, my first kiss was uh, was kind of like um, was was probably one of the best kind of moments of my life. Really, uh-huh. actually, not to get all corny and romantic, but no, no, no. I was in love with this girl at school for like years. I used to see her in the corridor, you know, and um, but too nervous. So she was really timid, and I was really timid, you know. So it was like this kind of like it would never happen thing how does that happen and I used to go to what was it the, the Royal Hotel Teenage Disco in Cookstown 
it was on like every few months and I used to go and li- like linger on the edge of the dance floor and it was when they'd have, still, still have a slow song on you know and I'd go there and she'd be there and she'd be lingering on the outskirts and I'd be lingering on the outskirts and I went there a few times didn't have the courage and I remember eventually asking her to dance and that was kind of I was probably like Ronan Keating or something on <laughs> Nathan I, I I had sex before I had my first kiss, so that kind of <laughs> that kind of you know the memory of the first kiss is somewhat kind of shadowed. <laughs> it's depressing, isn't it? It's really well, depressing. That's a good one, isn't it? That's a, that was a good answer as well. That. It's turning out all right, these. Yeah, told you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. What film have you watched more than any other? Okay, well that's easy. Legends of the Fall with uh, with Brad Pitt. Um, Nathan. Terminator Two. Terminator 2 mm. Why Legends of the Fall I mean It was my <laughs> mum's d- There's a particular Like montage Where Brad Pitt You know Like he can't, he's wrestling With his demons So he leaves the homestead You know He leaves the family behind Like because he's little He's blaming himself For his little brother's death In the war So he goes out And there's a montage Of him like Wandering all around the world so Doing all these shit. exotic things You know I've And there's one particular Shut up There's one particular There's one so particular boring. part Of that, that, that And it stuck with me I remember seeing it When I was a child Watching my mum Where he's on this Kind of like junker like and, he, and he's like opiumed out of his head and he's like there's about eight like kind of oriental bodies kind of like these asian women just surround him and and he and he lifts up his face in shock all of a sudden and i just remember that moment from when i was a child seeing it just thinking, what the what is that about what's going on because i saw it when i was like you know really little you know i just did not understand it it just held infinite intrigue for I've me i've not got through that i watch once. it every christmas i watch <laughs> I it every christmas i can't finish that i don't want to finish it i don't want to start it ever again Let's have one last question because this is enjoyable. Okay. Please. It's such a bad film. Oh, Brad Pitt's a terrible actor. Brad Pitt's hair in that film. He doesn't need to perform. His hair does. Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> was in my dreams last night. Is, is he? Mm. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? Oh, we had this the other day and I said loyalty. <laughs> uh, that's, that's quite a good virtue, isn't it? I mean, it's good to be loyal. It is, but does it really... I don't know if it's really it's a real thing or just some sort of... I don't know. <laughs> are people capable of actual loyalty when the chips are down? I don't know. I mean, Nathan, what do you think? Uh, I was going to say uh, kindness last time, but I'm going to go back to what I said last time. <laughs> honesty. People, honesty is overrated. Honesty is yeah. overrated. The nature doesn't have. I think Na- honesty is na- key. Nature doesn't need to be honest. Honesty is important. Nature doesn't need to be honest. N- well, na- it's not. That doesn't make sense. How do you know if I'm being honest? <laughs> How do I know if you're being honest? Yeah, but I mean, exactly. it's like, it's like you know, people need to be more critical of each other, don't they? They need to be more honest. I think a lot of things go wrong because people just say like, "All right, I'll go." All right, after that, this, you know, after that critique, I'll go with kindness then. Okay. Why? I'll go with kindness. Why? <laughs> because you just showed me that you weren't kind, and it helped me. It's because I'm honest. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Touché. Checkmate. Excellent. Sorry. I've got to just do the outro now. That's okay. 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 So all, it, all, it, all that's left is to thank uh, producer Sue for all the hard work and to, and to thank everyone for listening. And ask one more favour, and that is if you could rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, we'll be very, very appreciative. Um, and that's it, and see you all next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, brilliant. Okay, well, thanks very much for coming. That's uh, well, thanks for having us. It was a real pleasure. It was very teas. enjoyable. Thanks for two teas. Thanks for coming. Yeah, the great team. Two teas, man. Sort of right Power tea. I feel warm. I had a big lump of ginger this morning for breakfast. I just chewed. I just chewed. You want some? No, I've got some. <laughs>
They bring it everywhere. You actually taking that big lump of ginger? It keeps you warm, but you need to put warm liquids in it to exfoliate and get the powers of it out. Okay, I'll just and that did that. Okay. Cube presents the making of. Who's that wife handling? Brilliant. You can write with your mouth. You know, you know, you got to do a bit more like. No. Right, so can you imagine what it was like making the three albums? <laughs> <laughs>